OWC Radio number 20. everyone, Tim Robertson, host of OWC Radio. You can find us online at owcradio.com. This is the official podcast of Otherworld Computing, and that can be found at www.maxsales.com. So we are one week away, well, one week tomorrow anyways, from the launch of the iPad. And I don't know about you, but I'm very excited. I really am. I can't wait to get my hands on my very own iPad. Uh, it looked like I almost <laughs> wasn't going to get the chance, to be honest. Funny story, not really funny, uh, very kind of sad. Very, It angered me a lot, but I'll give you the, a brief synopsis of what happened and why I almost didn't get my iPad. Um, for whatever reason, my gas company, natural gas company, uh, changed P.O. boxes where you send your bill. So I wrote him a check. I sent my bill in very beginning of this month. Thought everything was hunky-dory. We get our new bill, and it's a shutoff notice. What? Shutoff notice? I I haven't missed a payment. This is crazy. So I call. Sure enough, they never got my payment. Check hasn't cleared. Uh, I, I didn't understand what was going on. So pull out the handy-dandy credit card, and I paid last month's and this month, and I was assured by them that if and when the check shows up, They'll go ahead and credit the account. It's great. Problem is, when I call to make that payment with my credit card, I use their automated service. At the end of which the automated service says there was a system error, it has to transfer me to a live operator, which they did. The live operator said, yep, this has happened a few times already this morning. I can take the payment here manually. So far, so good. Problem is, the automated system did, in fact, take my payment, and the live operator also took my payment, so they double-billed my credit card, the same credit card that I placed my order for my, you guessed it, iPad. Because of the double order, which was uh, well over $600, there wasn't enough credit left on my credit card to afford an iPad. (gasps) Oops. Yeah, so I wasn't a happy camper, but after, oh, I don't know, 50 telephone calls between the gas company and the credit card company, it was finally resolved. And not 10 minutes after it got resolved, Apple charged my credit card for my iPad. So I lucked out there, but, whew, boy, I tell you, I would have been really upset had I not got my uh, my iPad simply because of a double billing error on the part of my gas company. And then the credit card company basically dragging their feet to recredit my account uh, and correct the mistake. Boy, I tell you, when you when you deal with big companies like that, you don't always get quick service. And that's what I like about other world computing. When you have a problem and you call, I'm telling you what, they're going to take care of you right then and right there. You're not going to there, – there's going to be no need for you to make multiple phone calls to resolve a problem. There really isn't. They're going to resolve it uh, – Nine out of 10 times, 99 out of 100%, I should say, right then, right then and there. If it needs a second phone call, chances are they're going to call you back with a resolution. 
We're really focused on customer service. Trust me. I just went through a horrible experience, and I'm very confident that anybody listening to this show dealing with other world computing, you're not ever going to have to worry about those kind of customer service issues. So I just wish that the people from these bigger companies, the gas company, the credit card company, I wish they could take a lesson from OWC and learn how to treat people. We're not just customers. We're not just giving you money. We're people. We want to be treated as such with dignity and respect. And that's what OWC is about. So, you know, I... After this experience, I appreciate OWC even more than I did before, and I already did a whole lot. So I've got a couple of uh, things I wanted to go over. First, let's talk about the feedback. I'm always looking for feedback from you guys. You can send email to podcast at maxsales.com. Now, that could be a written email, which I'm going to get to in a second. I've got two of them. I've got three of them. I'm sorry. Or you can send your own voice. In other words, you can record yourself either on the computer or on your iPhone or iPod Touch if you have a microphone. Record yourself and then just email that file to podcast at maxsales.com, and I will play it right here on the show. Well, you know, as long as you don't use any profanity or anything like that. But, you know, normal stuff. You can also call our Skype in number. It's 1-801-938-5559. And there's two different ways you can reach me on Twitter. It's either at OWC Radio or at MyMac. Now, the only reason I'm saying the or at MyMac is because recently uh, the, the Tech Republic listed me as one of the top 140 tech people to follow on Twitter. Very, very cool. I'm very honored by that. And because of that article, I've got, you know, hundreds of new followers on Twitter at my at MyMac account. I wish all those people would transfer over to my at OWC Radio account, but it hasn't happened. So that's the two ways you can find me on Twitter. I'm at both of those places. And that's my personal account, the uh, at my Mac. That's me. That's my account. So with that, let me get to the uh, email that I've got here. The first one is from uh, Jeff. Jeff writes, Tim, I've been listening to the new podcast. And so far, I think you have a winner here. Thank you, by the way, Jeff. I appreciate that. I miss you on the MyMac.com podcast, but Guy seems to be having everything under control there. Anyway, with regard to the talk about the new SSD, I bought a unibody MacBook Pro with 128 gigabyte SSD from Apple last year, and I love it. I honestly can't see myself ever buying another Mac unless it has one of these super fast drives. Not only is the SSD much faster at everything, I use my Mac for recording audio, and the SSD is totally quiet. I bet OWC sells a lot of these drives. Good luck and keep up the great podcast, Jeff. Jeff, thank you very, very much. I appreciate the feedback and the kind words. Uh, yeah, you know, I hope that obviously OWC doesn't share all their sales numbers with me because, quite honestly, I don't need to know. But I do know that everyone is, that buys these SSD drives, they're just extremely happy. Now, you could get um, a couple of Mac Pros, MacBook Pros from Apple, and the SSD is an option. But for the money that Apple charges for a factory stock SSD drive in comparison to how much you can get, how much um, storage space you can get on the OWC SSD drives, not just storage space but reliability and price, we're beating Apple easily. 
And let's be honest, these drives are not very difficult to install yourself. They're just not. And if you're really not comfortable with that, we have online videos both on our website and in iTunes that you could follow along very easily in very high-quality video and do it yourself. So, yeah, you know, I don't have one of these yet, Jeff, and I really want one. My problem right now is I just don't have the time. Um, and I'm happy with my MacBook Pro the way it is, but I am eyeing one of these SSD drives here in the near future. I really am because I've seen firsthand a number of times the huge speed improvement that you get over a standard hard drive with this SSD drive. And to be honest, I'm chomping at the bit, Jeff. I, I really want to get one. And your email didn't help. See, you're going to cost me money with those kind of email, Jeff. Come on. My wife's going to say, don't listen to them, Tim. You don't need to spend the money right now. But but Jeff is saying that I should, honey. They're so much better. Next one is from Marion. And um, I'm going to scroll down just a little bit because there's some personal stuff in there. Um, uh, Marion says he was a former listener of my last show. And uh, he was actually on the uh, the last show with me as a listener invite. And he mentioned that he got a, a four gigabyte RAM for his MacBook Pro 15 inch uh, early 2008 from OWC. And he says, guess what? I just did it again. I decided to go for their word that my machine can handle six gigabytes, even though all other sites, including Apple, said it can only handle four gigabytes. So, I, so he ordered the four gigabyte DDR2 667 megahertz module for 139 and even though I paid an extra $47 for shipping, it was still cheaper than any other offer here in Slovakia. Slovakia, sorry. It's, been, it's Friday. Slovakia. <laughs> so for Marion, it was cheaper to order with an extra $47 shipping from OWC and have that memory delivered to Slovakia. That's awesome to know. Awesome. Um, and he goes into the prices with plus VAT and that it's still it was still much cheaper than ordering it there. And he said he, he placed his order at MacSales.com on the 22nd of March around 1 p.m. local time and had it in his hands just a little over 48 hours later. So he got it on the 24th. That's That's pretty awesome when you figure – OWC is shipping it out from Woodstock, Illinois, and two days later, it's in his hands in Slovakia. That's awesome. He says, one more thing on show number 19, you mentioned something about record, uh, recommending antivirus software for the Mac. Um, yeah, it's, it's a tricky subject because there are times where it would make sense for a Mac user to run antivirus software. And really it comes down to are you sharing a lot of files in a professional setting with PC users who aren't doing their job protecting their machines as well as they should be? If that's the case, you're not going to hurt their feelings by running antivirus yourself to protect them. If you're not doing that, if you're a, a reasonably responsible Mac user out there, you really don't need a virus protection. There is no spyware, there is no malware, and there is no viruses out there currently in the wild that affect macOS 10 computers. Again, none, at least that I'm aware of. Maybe I'm wrong. If I am, 
Send me a link. Show me where there's a virus out there. Show me a report saying that this virus is in the wild and it's affecting Mac users. I haven't seen one. Now, that's not to say that Macs have never had virus problems. I remember having a job interview with a book publishing company out of Grand Rapids, Michigan back in, I'm going to say, 1996, 97. Could have been later than that, but I think it was right around that time frame. And I didn't get the job, by the way. But I do remember walking through their offices and they had this yellow police ribbon. If you've ever seen a show like Law and Order or something like that, you've seen these yellow police ribbons that cordon off a crime scene. So they had these three desks with probably 20 Macs just piled on top of it with this yellow crime scene tape. And I asked the lady that was showing me to the conference room, I said, what's going on with all these, with these Macintosh computers wrapped up in this tape? And she said, well, they have a virus. Now, I don't know what, what kind of virus it was. So it was, you know, late 90s. So there was a few out there that was affecting the Mac OS 9 community and Mac OS 8 and Mac OS 7. But uh, I, I don't know what the yellow tape was about. I guess maybe to, to warn other employees to stay away from these machines and don't plug them in. Or did they think that maybe the computer virus could jump out of the, the floppy drive and latch onto them? I don't know. I just found it very amusing to see all these computers sitting there basically under quarantine with this yellow tape around it. It was kind of odd. But as it stands right now, Marion, no, I don't personally run antivirus software, nor do I have um, a need to right now. Now, there has been times in the past that I was sharing files quite often with home PC users. And while I don't think I ever infected them by forwarding them an email or an infected file, I couldn't say for certain. And if that was the case, I might want to run an antivirus just to be a good internet community member. Especially if you're working for yourself, say you're a graphic designer and you're sharing files and forwarding emails with a client. If that client is a small client that doesn't have a huge IT department, you know what? I, I think I might actually want to run an antivirus, anti-spyware, anti-malware type of program on my Mac at that point because guess what business you're going to lose if you infect their computers? Could you imagine that conversation? Oh, yeah, I'm a Mac. I don't have to worry about that. Macs are, you know, well, yes, I know, Tim, but uh, this file that you sent us, yeah, infected three of our computers with spyware. Oh, wow. I, I, I'm sorry. What, what do you say at that point? I don't know. Um, I think the verdict is still out whether we need to run antivirus software. Um, But personally, I don't. And the last email I want to get into is from uh, Kirk from Mobile, Alabama. And he says, I just found OWC Radio in iTunes and really enjoy it. I am thinking about starting my own podcast. And could you explain to me how you do the OWC Radio podcast? Thanks, Kirk. Um, yeah, let's get into that a little bit, Kirk. And yours isn't the first email that I've gotten. Uh, it used to be a very frequent topic uh, back in the day when uh, – remember, I've been doing podcasting for over five years now. And uh, I, this is a question that I used to get quite a bit, especially in the early days of podcasting, less so now because there are a lot of online resources, including a really great Take Control book from um, 
tidbits that explains podcasting really well. But uh, in short, this is what I do. And now there's a couple of different setups that I use depending on if I'm doing an interview or not. But for just uh, a podcast like this one where it's just me and I'm the only one talking, basically I have a uh, computer. In this case, it's a Macintosh. And in particular, it's a MacBook Pro. It's the brand new model, which will probably be uh, upgraded, I imagine, by Apple here in the very near future. I think they're going to come out with some new models. But regardless, I'm recording on a MacBook Pro. My program of choice to record in is GarageBand. Now, chances are if you have a Mac that was built any time in the last, oh, I don't know, five years, you have GarageBand. It's a free program for you to use. So I use GarageBand. Now, as far as getting my vocals onto the computer, I do not use the built-in microphone. The built-in microphone on any Mac is an I don't think it's good enough quality to do a podcast. If you're just doing something really simple that you're sending to your friends and family, it might be okay. Um, but for me, it's it's the quality's just not there. So I use uh, an M Audio XLR microphone. This is not a USB mic, so I have to go into a mix board. I have to have a mix board that's going to f- supply phantom power to my microphone. So what I'm using is I'm also using an M-Audio Mobile Pre USB. Now, this particular model is, I'm going to say, five years old. It's, it's quite old, but it still works great. So from my microphone, I go directly into the Mobile Pre USB. Now, my microphone itself, I used to keep it on a tripod-type uh, stand. It was just a monopole with a big base on the bottom, and the microphone would sit on that. The problem with that was it was in the way all the time. So I have a swing arm, which um, if, if you think about a radio station, how the microphones, they kind of pull down towards them from the – from it looks kind of like from the ceiling. It's something like that. But the swing arm actually C-clamps to my desk on the opposite side of my monitor, so away from me. And it has a, an articulated elbow – which allows me to pull it you know, forward and back and up and down. So I can really position the mic right where I want it. That costs about $100, I believe. And I got it, mm, I don't know, six months ago, maybe less, at Guitar Center. And it cost 100 bucks, like I said, plus shipping. And I like it a lot. I think it works well. Um, it's from, it's a Heil model, H-Heil, Heil, Heil, H-E-I-L. I can't give you the particular model number because it doesn't say it on here, and I don't have the box anymore. But it was $99. So if you go up to Guitar Center's website, you'll find it. I do use a pop filter, and a pop filter is basically a a real thin cloth that sits in front of the microphone. It's round, and it clamps onto the Heil stand, the articulating arm itself. And then my microphone's actually upside down as it faces me, and it works great. And I like it a lot, something to consider. You don't have to get that elaborate to begin with, but that's what I use, and you asked. So my microphone, the audio routes into the Mobile Pre USB with the XLR plug, and then the microphone, uh, I'm sorry, the Mobile Pre USB goes into the computer via USB. In GarageBand, if I've already have this plugged in, and I launch GarageBand, GarageBand automatically sees it. If I plug in the Mobile Pre USB after GarageBand has launched, you'll get a dialog box that says, hey, we just found this. Do you want to use this for your sound input? Just click yes, and you're good to go. Now, 
I record myself in mono in one track. And the reason I do that is because um, very often, especially when I'm doing interviews and stuff, uh, if I go stereo, you'll only hear me in, say, the left channel or the right channel, depending on how uh, the mobile pre-USB is set up. And since it's only one microphone, I just go mono in it. That way you hear my voice at the same volume in all your speakers or headphones. So I set it to mono. I don't put any effects on it while I'm recording. Sometimes I'll put effects on it afterwards. Uh, and by effects, I mean if you go into GarageBand, um, you can see that you can put like compression on it. You can turn on an equalizer and boost, say, bass or treble or mids, that sort of thing. Uh, I don't usually do any of that. Maybe I'll put a compressor on to boost the volume, but that's about it. That's all I really do. Now, it's almost the identical setup when I'm doing an interview. Now, when I do an interview, it's usually via Skype. And so I want to record that end of the conversation in GarageBand at the same time. Now, the reason that I record both the Skype call and myself in GarageBand is I used to do it a different way. The way I used to do it is I'd record myself in GarageBand and whatever Skype was listening to, in other words, not me, but the other end of the conversation, I would record that in Audio Hijack Pro. And that while that did work, the problem was I'd have to put those two sound files together and match them up perfectly. And there was more than one occasion where I would drop in the, the Skype call audio file into GarageBand and it would sync at the beginning and in the middle, but towards the end, for whatever reason, the audio would not be synced. And if I didn't catch that before I published it, hoy, I got some emails on that back in the day, I can tell you. Because it's really weird because people start answering the question before the other person is done even speaking. It was really, really weird. So I found it's easier for me to record on one channel, me, and on the second channel, the Skype call all within GarageBand. So how do I do that? Now, I didn't want to use any kind of special software. Um, there's software that can route audio signals from one application to another. Sunflower will do that, for instance. But I didn't want to use any kind of th third-party application or hacksy that could, uh, quite honestly, make my machine less reliable, more crash-prone, that sort of thing. I wanted to do it manually. And by manually, I mean this. Because I can hear through my headphones what the Skype caller is saying. I have an analog signal, right? So I wanted to take that, what I'm hearing in my headphones, and I wanted to route that back into the USB port on the computer. But how do I do that? Well, with the mobile pre-USB, I could plug in two channels. On one channel is me, is this microphone. I'm plugged into channel one. Channel two is not doing anything. Remember, I'm recording in mono. So in channel two, there's nothing. My idea was to use a Y splitter. And a Y splitter, it means I plug it into my headphone jack. On one end of the Y splitter is my headphones. And on the other is the same cable like a headphone jack, but it goes into channel two on the mobile pre-USB. I know it sounds confusing, but if you actually saw it, in operation, you think, oh, yeah, okay, I get it. What that basically allows me to do is whatever I can hear is being piped into channel two. And because I'm already running the mobile pre into GarageBand through USB, 
All I have to do is turn up the volume on channel 2 and start a new track in GarageBand that's set to channel 2 mobile pre-USB. So at this point, in mono, by the way. So at this point in channel 1 is me on my microphone in mono. And in channel 2, on the second track in GarageBand is mobile pre-USB channel 2, which is the Skype call. But it's not just the Skype call. It's basically any noise that my Macintosh makes. So if I check my email while I'm recording, you can hear that. If I, um, oh, I don't know, turn up the volume. You know how you, you turn up the volume? You hear the duck quack, quack, quack sound as you turn it up? That gets recorded too. So there are some drawbacks. You can't make any, you can't let your Mac make any other noises other than the Skype conversation. But the benefit of this is I'm recording two tracks at the same time that are perfectly in sync. And it also allows me to very, very quickly in post-production, in other words, when I stop recording, to listen to the two different audio tracks side by side. If my audio track is a little lower, I can either put compression on it or turn up the volume. And the same thing with channel two. If the other end of the conversation, the person that's on Skype, is too low, I can always crank up their volume. If I really want to get into the minutia of the sound file itself, if there was certain points where there was a loud popping noise or something like that, I can literally delete that little part of the conversation or just turn the volume down and then right back up and you won't hear it in post-production at all. But that's how I do it. Um, what you do with the file after you record it is uh, much, much more simple. Once I'm done recording, I save out, uh, I export, I should say, um, and that's in the share menu in GarageBand. I save that out as an AIF file. I then run that AIF file through a program, a free program called Levelator. And what that does, it, it basically brings the highs down some and the lows up some. So you have a pretty consistent volume level for the entire show. And that way, if um, somebody gets very animated and starts talking loudly, you don't have all your listeners reaching for the radio or the iPod or the iPhone to turn the volume down real quick because, oh, my gosh, it got really loud for a second there. And then, of course, they have to turn it back up because once that person has calmed down and the other people start talking, it's a lot quieter than what it was before. So you have to turn it back up. So Levelator cures a lot of that problems. Not completely, but 99% of the time. Now, the output from Levelator, um, I just simply bring that into um, – What's the name of the application? Um, iTunes. Wow, you see what I just did there? I bring that file into iTunes, convert it to an MP3, add my metadata. Now, by metadata, I mean the name of the file, the episode number, the artwork that you see when you look at your iPhone or the iPod Touch. You see the artwork for the episode. Um, I create an MP3 file and take that MP3 file and publish it. Now, the publishing aspect of of podcasting is a whole different beast. And if I hear from enough people, you guys want to know how you publish the actual show and get into iTunes and all that, I'll be happy to talk about that. But honestly, I've been talking uh, very technically here for, what, 10 minutes now, um, 11 minutes now, on how I record a podcast. Now, I don't know how many of you are very interested in that, but I have had a, a few emails, so I thought it would be fair to share that. And quite honestly, there's not a whole lot going on in the Mac world right now, in the Apple universe, if you will. Um, everyone's standing around waiting for, well, next Saturday when the iPad's released. 
I am. I can't wait. And uh, I know there's going to be many of you out there that you guys are just sitting there waiting for the iPad to be released like I am. I'm really excited. But I did want to share the information. Some people asked. And uh, if I got too techy, too geeky for you, I apologize. We won't do that again anytime soon. I, I'd like to make this show a little bit more open than that. I don't want to talk over anybody's head or bore anybody out there or anything like that. But quite honestly, podcasting is something that I hope more people get into. If you get into podcasting, let me know. Send me a link. I'll be happy to listen to your show. Uh, I love listening to podcasts. That's all I listen to in the car now. Well, I take that back. There's a few audiobooks that I listen to, and I do listen to my own music in the car, but podcasting is what I listen to the most. So I'd be honored if um, what I just said helped anybody get into podcasting. And if you need any more information than that, just let me know. I'm, I'm here. I'm happy to help. Uh, remember, OWC has a wide range of products that will help you get into podcasting very easily, including microphones, software, more RAM for your computer, more hard drive space. Because trust me, when you start recording a lot of podcasts, you're going to eat up your hard drive space quickly. And that's something that you don't want to do because when you do, you don't have room anymore. So speaking of hard drives, this is really cool bundle that OWC has going on right now that I think is really cool. And I, th- I hope some of you guys take advantage of this. It's the special OWC bundle. What this does, it's $119.99, so $120. They'll deliver it. They'll ship it out. You'll have it tomorrow if you order it early enough. This is what you get in this bundle for $120. Number one, you get a 500-gigabyte Seagate Momentus 7200 RPM drive. Now, this is for notebooks. I should... Go back and say this is for MacBooks and MacBook Pros or Mac Minis because this is the small two-and-a-half-inch drive. So you've got your MacBook. You're running out of hard drive space. There's nothing wrong with your hard drive. You want to – just pulling it out of the machine, what do you do with it at that point, right? I got a new hard drive. It's 500 gigs at this point, but I still have this old 120 gig that's just fine. I can use it for something, right? Well, that's where this bundle comes in. So you get this bundle, $120, you get the new 500-gigabyte Seagate drive, and now this runs at 7,200 RPM, and you are going to see a marketable improvement in speed on your MacBook or MacBook Pro with this faster hard drive. Almost all machines out there right now have a standard 5,400 RPM drive, which that sounds fast, but when you compare it to a 7,200 RPM, it's, it's slower, trust me. So your system is going to be much more responsive. Plus, you've got 500 gigs at this point. You have a lot more space on your internal hard drive. So you've watched our installation videos. You know how to do this install. You go ahead and do it. You put the new drive in. You take the old drive out. What do you do with that old drive? Well, this bundle also includes a 2.5-inch SATA enclosure kit. Now, I've got a couple of these personally, and I really like them. It's just a very small enclosure that one screwdriver opens it up. It's a Phillips screw that holds it together. You you pop your drive in, you close it. Now, if you plug that into your Mac via the included USB cable, it mounts on your desktop. Boom. There's your 120-gigabyte drive ready for you to use. You can also use this to use Boot Camp – or I'm sorry, not Boot Camp – Time Machine – to pull all your information off the old drive and populate the new drive. So thus, your new drive, when you boot it up, 
and you've migrated all your old data over, it looks just like your machine. Everything's on the desktop right where you left it. Everything's there. You don't have to re-register software. You don't have to reinstall anything there. It's all there, except it's faster and you have more hard drive space. Now, you can use uh, that external drive for a couple different ways now. What I would suggest is make that an emergency boot-up disk. In other words, keep the Mac OS on there in its current state, providing that it's already stable. But then go out and buy some um, a disk warrior, for instance, and install disk warrior on that external drive. So that way, if or when, let's be honest, it's a mechanical hard drive, all hard drives will fail eventually, all of them eventually are going to fail. Anything that's mechanical and moves around is going to break down over time. It's just a way of life. We all like to think that I just bought a new hard drive that's going to last forever. It's not. It could uh, wear down mechanically or more often than not, you have a software problem and files get corrupt and that sort of thing. So you want to have an emergency boot-up disk that will boot your machine up and have tools on that hard drive, such as Disk Warrior, that you can run now on your internal machine, on your internal hard drive, to make any necessary repairs. Now, this bundle also includes the five-piece toolkit, which will allow you to install the hard drive, the new one, in your current MacBook or MacBook Pro. So for 120 bucks, I think that it's a really good deal. I also think that it solves a problem. It gives you the opportunity to create an emergency boot disk. If you already have that, you could also use that old hard drive as simply storage. We were talking about podcasting earlier. You could drag your archived podcasts over to this drive so you always have them handy. I think it's a, it's a fabulous idea. I hope that some of you guys out there listening take advantage of this. 120 bucks. you get the external case. That's what you're going to put your old drive in. You've got a brand-new hard drive that's much faster and larger than the current machine has. And you get the toolkit, so you're going to have all the tools that you need to make the switch. And if that's not enough, go up to either iTunes at OWC Radio's installation series or go to our website, and we've got video free for you to view. We've got video step-by-step how to do it yourself. It's, it's fantastic. You, you really need to check that out. Even if this particular bundle isn't what you're looking for, if you've got an older machine, we've got video up there on your older machine Pretty much everything's up there at this point. There's a few machines missing, but we're actually going back in time finding older machines to do these upgrades with, so we have that video for your machine. Uh, Go up there, take a look. You'll learn how to take apart your Mac, upgrade it, update it, and make it better. So with that, I'm going to wrap up OWC Radio number 20. I encourage you to go visit us on the website at OWC Radio. Be sure to check out that bundle I was just telling you about. Uh, Who knows when that special price is going to end. The regular price is $132. So, yeah, I mean, you're saving a little scratch right now. Get up there and grab it before it's gone. www.maxsales.com is the place to go. And um, I, I really do encourage you to go grab that. It's a really good idea. Back up that data. Back it up. Or at the very least, make an emergency boot disk. So if something does happen, and it's going to, trust me, eventually it will happen, you have the means to repair your drive and get back up and running. So I really encourage you guys to send any feedback. Uh, It makes the show a lot easier for me because I I just love feedback, number one. Um, But it kind of gives me a direction on what you guys want to hear me talk about and what you guys are interested in hearing about. Uh, For instance, I was going to talk about the uh, portable game software by Revenue Market, 
but I decided not to. Well, actually, for one second, okay? Did you know in 2006, the iPhone made up 5% and the Nintendo DS was 75% of U.S. portable game software by revenue? In 2009, last year, iPhone OS, 19%. Nintendo DS, 70%. Sounds to me like, uh, I don't know, the iPhone OS is starting to eat eat a little bit of profits into Nintendo and Sony. Hmm, I wonder what the iPad's going to do to that. Hmm, I just found that a very interesting statistic. For a company that was known for years and years and years to not be a gaming platform, sure seems like our uh, beloved iPhone OS is becoming a, a major candidate in the game space. And with Steam coming to the Mac, it could change a lot of things, I think. But you know what? You need a lot of hard drive space. You need a lot of RAM to run some of these sophisticated games on your Mac. So I bet you know where I would suggest you go to get that. That's right, MacSales.com. So with that, I'm going to wrap up the show. Uh, Send us feedback, podcast at MacSales.com. And I will see you in a week when I'm still just like one or two days away from my iPad. Can't wait. Talk to you then. Bye-bye.